I love it. Are you ready for the blessings? You are? I just need a number three baseball hat like Chance the Rapper. I'd feel so much cooler right now if I had that. You guys doing good? Are you well? Oh, you look tan. It might be the lighting. I don't know. I don't want to give you too much credit this early into spring because you got to work for something. you got to fight for something. So we're in this together. But spring is in the air. Love is in the air. Do you feel it? Anybody fall in love this week? Really? Congratulations. Did you get engaged? Did you get engaged? Oh my gosh, congratulations. I just went out on a whim and asked that question. I love it. I fall in love all over again every single day. I love you, baby. I love you. Yeah. Hey, welcome to Young Adults, you guys. Just brownie points, man. You can't blame me. Welcome to Young Adults. We are so happy that you are here. Um, there's a lot of things in Denver you could be doing on a Thursday night, um, but this is the best. So welcome. We are glad that you are here. And I want to begin this blessing series tonight on a pretty serious note, if that's cool with all of you guys. I want to ask you this question right here. And this is just for you to answer honestly and rhetorically for you, okay? And the question is this, are you happy? Like, I'm not talking about just, it's Thursday night and we're at church, everything's awesome, but beneath your circumstances, beneath the season of life that you're in, beneath your relationship status right now, are you happy with life? And feel free to be honest, this is just between you and God, I promise. You don't need to speak Christianese to God because he knows what's going on in here even more than you do. So, so let it out. Be honest with God. Are you happy? For your sake, I hope that you are. It's just better to be happy than to not, and that's not my opinion, it's just science, right? It's better to be happy than to not be happy, but I also understand if you're not, because a lot of people aren't, and that's why we are choosing to do this series, not because we think it's gonna be fun or heartwarming, although I hope it's both of those things, but because every human being on this planet is trying to find happiness, and most people, including a lot of Christians, somewhere beneath all the bravado in our Thursday best and our Sunday best, are not really happy when we get down to it, despite the fact that all of us are looking for it in everything that we do. Check out this quote right here. All men and women, I didn't write the quote, all human beings, guys, seek happiness. This is without exception. Whatever different means they employ, they all tend to this end. The cause of some going to war and others avoiding it is the same desire in both, finding happiness attended with different views. The will never takes the least step but to this object. This is the motive, finding happiness. This is the motive of every action of every human being ever, even, and I know this is sobering, even of those who hang themselves. And I know you're like, dude, what a bummer way, downer way to end a quote, and I agree. Pascal was, he, he needed a hug. He was a bit of a downer, but he's also right. He's also right with what he says. It's also why I believe that you experiencing and feeling and knowing this version of happiness that is from God, this version of contentment that is from God, it's so important for you to understand what it is because if you don't have it, you will do anything, and I mean anything, including horrible things you never thought you'd ever do in order to find it. Finding happiness is the underlying motive behind every decision that you will ever make. The decision to go to war or to stay home. The decision to go out with your friends or stay home and get a good night's sleep. The decision to get married or to stay single. The decision to stay married or get divorced. The decision to have an extra Vicodin. The decision to 
look at porn, the decision to sleep with your boyfriend, even the decision to, to take your own life, the motive underneath it is all because you're trying to move from a position of no happiness or little happiness in the direction of of more happiness, right? And if you're not careful, you'll spend the rest of your life chasing the wind, trying to find this fleeting version of happiness the world has promised you in all the places that it doesn't exist. And you'll end up going from well to well to well to well, and you'll end up succeeding in all the things in life that don't really matter in the end, all while there actually is a source of everlasting happiness and contentment out there. There really is. His name is Jesus Christ. His name is Jesus. He is a well, but he does not run dry. He is an unlimited, infinite source of joy, of peace for you to experience, of contentment for you to have, and God's version of happiness for you to know. He is God's version of everything that you are looking for. And unlike the world's version of happiness, it's actually possible to find and keep God's version of happiness. Our world says you're hashtag blessed when you're in shape with six-pack abs and $20 bills falling out of your dry-fit pockets, right? But I know a lot of people who are in crazy good shape, like 2% body fat, but they don't think they're in good enough shape, at least not yet. Give them one more month and they will be, right? The world says you're hashtag blessed when you're on vacation, sitting on a beach, feet in the sand, sipping back on a virgin margarita. But I know a lot of people, myself included, who spend most of their vacation worrying and stressing about things back home. The world says that you're hashtag blessed when you're healthy or when you have money or when you have a nice car or when your skin is clear or when your puppy is the cutest of all your friend's dogs, right? The problem is that that in itself is circumstantial and you cannot control your circumstances no matter how much you believe that you can. If you just will it hard enough, you can't control your circumstances. You can influence them, but you can't control them. And so what happens when it's just not your season in life? What happens when it's just not your year? What happens when this decade is just not your decade? What happens when the depression comes back or the anxiety rears its ugly face again or you don't get the job? What happens when you wake up the next morning and the buzz is gone or that person is gone, right? Is it still hashtag blessed in that moment or is it more like hashtag still parched, hashtag still thirsty, hashtag still haven't found what I'm looking for, hashtag still not happy, hashtag why isn't anything working, hashtag ah, right? Like am I the only one who feels that sometimes? Or is it hashtag blessed always for all of you guys constantly? I think Jesus might have something to say about this. And um, here's the question really quick. What is God's version of happiness and how do I get it? And it's my goal tonight to show you both of those things, that you don't need to go seeking for it or looking for it. You actually just need to realize that through God and through Jesus, you already have it. I wanna show you that in every moment, in every moment of your life, you have everything that you need to be happy. I'm talking about God's version of happiness, not the world's. In every moment of your life, whether you believe it or not, you have everything that you need to be happy. And so if you're taking notes, the title of this message is Profile of the Happy. Profile of the Happy. This is what people who are truly happy spend their time doing. All right, profile of the happy. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and get your Bibles out or your Bible app out on your phone. Go to Matthew chapter five. Um, this is where we're gonna be for the next three weeks. This is the Sermon on the Mount, the very beginning of it. This is the Beatitudes. If you're new to the Bible, it's called the Sermon on the Mount because this is Jesus giving a sermon and he's standing on a mountain, all right? We're all Bible scholars in the room tonight. 
All right, here, we, here it is. Matthew chapter five, starting in verse one. This is Jesus. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he came up on a mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And so this is the very first time that you're gonna see red letters in your Bible. Red letters mean that this is coming straight out of the mouth of Jesus, which is a big deal, all right? And it gets even crazier when you consider the fact that this is the first thing that God decides to say on record in 400 years. So the intertestamental period, the time between the final chapter of the Old Testament in Malachi and the first chapter in the New Testament in Matthew is 400 years where God was pretty much just silent. And then he put skin and bone on and came onto this planet in the form of Jesus. Jesus, and the very first thing that Jesus decides to say on record is blessed, blessed. That's the Greek word makarios, which, which is like a really, really rich word, far more rich than the word blessed. We just don't have an English equivalent for it. So you can say blessed. You can also say happy. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Happy are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so really, really quick, this is not an equation. This is not the idea that uh, if you can just do A, if you can somehow be poor in spirit and muster that, whatever that looks like, that God's gonna do B and he's gonna bless you in a specific way, okay? God's a mystery. God is not some cosmic vending machine up in the clouds where you say all the right things or do all the right things, push all the right buttons in the right order and you can get God to do what you wanna do, right? God is a mystery, that's what makes him God. If you think, oh, I understand God, that's not God, right? God's ways and his thoughts are higher than our ways and our thoughts. Who knows the mind of God? I don't, but I can promise you, I can tell you that God is good, that God loves you, and that he is a God who loves to bless. He is a God who loves to bless his children. He has an infinite amount of blessings. He's not like short on his blessing supply, okay? I won't preach ever how he blesses or what he chooses to bless you with. That's not for me to say. That's foreign territory for me, and I'm not arrogant enough or dumb enough to promise you something that only God knows, but every single time I have the honor of standing up here and talking about God to you, I will tell you the truth that your God is good, that he loves you, and that his plan for you is immeasurably better than any plan that you could ever have for yourself, and he is in the business of blessing his kids. He just is. God is a God who loves to blessed, he is good. And Jesus is saying here, what he's saying in these Beatitudes is, man, if you ever find yourself matching the descriptions of these Beatitudes, that in them you're somehow gonna find that you are simultaneously blessed because of it, right? You're blessed because of it. And in every moment, you have everything you need to be happy. In every moment, you have everything you need to be happy. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's keep going. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed or happy are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed or happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And we'll stop there, and we'll just do those for tonight. Um, so these are the backwards laws in God's economy, right? All of this is counterintuitive to everything that our culture says. So if you wanna find your life, lose it, right? You wanna be a leader, start serving. You wanna be first, just be last. 
You wanna be the greatest, just be the least, right? Welcome to the kingdom of heaven where up is down and left is right and happiness is just as counterintuitive as everything else in the kingdom. And so we just read the first five, but I wanna go through each of them one by one. Verse three, blessed are the poor in spirit. We've read this a few times, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So right here, Jesus does away with the false belief that it's rich people who are happy people, but he also does away with the false belief that poor people are happy people. You'll meet tons of poor people who are happy and poor people who are not happy at all. And you'll, you'll meet a lot of rich people. I know a lot of rich people who are very happy and very content. And I know a lot of rich people who could not be farther from that. Couldn't be farther. Money does not equate with happiness. This is why you'll meet happy and unhappy people from every socioeconomic class because money does not equate with happiness. That's not what Jesus is getting at right here. What Jesus is saying is blessed are you when you're poor in spirit, because when you are poor in spirit, catch this, you realize that you are dependent on God for absolutely everything, every second of every day. That's what it means to be poor in spirit. And when you're dependent on God, it's on him, it's not on you. And that's the greatest feeling in the world. And if you've ever lived that way, you know that that brings happiness because the giver is dependable, but the gifts are not. And when we can have a lot or a little, when you can have a lot in life or a little in life, and you can still wake up every single morning and go, God, I have a lot today. I have nothing today, but regardless, I am depending on you for absolutely everything. That's when you're gonna find happiness because that's when it's on him and the burden is not on you. It's counterintuitive from how our culture works, but you know what? Our culture is not really happy. So so those who are poor in spirit are okay with not being in control. When you're, when you're okay with not being in control, you realize that in every moment, God is the one who's in control and he's far better at being in control of your life than you are. And as long as, because here, here's why it's better to have God in control of your life. Because first of all, I think control is an illusion because we can't control circumstances. Once again, we only influence them. But when you understand, like when you're in control or you perceive that you're in control, then the burden is on you for everything in your life. The burden is on you to get that job or to get that position or to get that platform. But then here's the thing, even once you get that platform or that job or that position, happiness still eludes you because now the burden changes to keeping that job and keeping that position. And now you have something to lose, so the burden's even heavier. And, and oftentimes you're, you're less happy than you were when you were trying to get there. But when God's in control, yeah, he might change some things about your future, but right, once again, I promise you, he has a far better future planned for you than you could even imagine. You can have control or you can have happiness, but you can't have both. And I'll say that again, but I'll revise it because control is an illusion. You can have your perceived control or you can have happiness, but you can't have both. Give your perceived control to God and inherit the kingdom of heaven. Verse four, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Happy are those who mourn. It's so counterintuitive. It's so backwards because they will be comforted. So mourners are those who, we'll say it this way, those who are emotionally connected. Like they understand that there's randomness and there's pain and there's grief in this world and they're not afraid to feel it when it needs to be felt. They're not afraid to process through it when it needs to be processed through right? This is my wife. She's not afraid of emotions and her feelings, and God would call her strong because of that. And then there's me, and I'm horrified of it, and apparently God's calling me a wuss because of it, right? When you're not afraid to feel what you need to feel, these people are willing to pray deep, 
deeply for painful things in this world. These people, these people are willing to have their hearts broken for the things that break God's heart, right? They're willing to come alongside people and mourn with people. They refuse to live ignorantly blissful of pain that's in this world. They're even willing, and catch this one right here, to accept the reality that death is a real thing for all of us one day. I've, met a, I've never met a truly happy person who's horrified of dying. I just never have. And I know that's sobering, but it's real. Andy Stanley says, the fear of dying will rob you of the joy of being alive. When you're afraid to consider death, when you're afraid to mourn loss, when you're afraid to, to ponder and to think about what's waiting for you after you take your final breath on this planet, you're never gonna find happiness. You're never gonna, you're never gonna need comfort. Therefore, you're never gonna be comforted. And God's version of happiness will always be off in the distance. But blessed are you, happy are you when you can breathe out and realize that this life is fragile and it's finite and that that's okay. People who are not afraid to mourn oftentimes find true happiness because they're not concerned about dying one day. They're not concerned about it because they know there's more to life than just this life. And what's waiting for them on the other side of eternity is paradise. And so much better than even the best of things that you could ever experience in this lifetime. And for them, that's not cold comfort. That's not some consolation prize just to make you feel better. For them, that is the warmest and realest reality, most comforting reality in the entire world. Happy are those who are not afraid to feel, who are not afraid to feel pain when you need to feel pain and process through it when you need to process through it. It's so backwards, but in that you find happiness that you can grab onto and keep. Blessed are those who are not, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Verse number five, blessed are the meek. Happy are the meek for they will inherit the earth. First of all, that word's just a funny word to me. I don't know why. I've been like giggling about meek all day. But this goes along with our theme of being counterintuitive because no guy in this room when they were little was ever like, when I grow up, I wanna be meek one day, man. If only I could just be meek, then I'll be happy. Because we associate meekness with weakness, probably because they rhyme, but they're actually opposites, okay? We associate being meek with being a doormat that people walk all over, but that's not what Jesus is talking about at all. When Jesus is saying, blessed are the meek, he's talking to people and saying, hey, being meek is, is simply me telling you to stop, to stop walking spiritually with a limp, and start walking and living confidently in who your heavenly father is and who he says about you and who he designed you to be in his story, right? Meekness is simply a healthy perception of who you are in front of your heavenly father, understanding who he is and who he designed you to be in his story. Some of the most powerful men in the world have been meek and women too, all right? I just happen to have an example of, uh, of Moses and he's in fact a male and so... If that bothered you, you can email Connor at redrockschurch.com. 
Numbers 12 says that Moses was the meekest man in all of history, and Moses stood up to the quote-unquote most powerful man at the time, Pharaoh, and freed an entire nation. Meekness is not weakness. It is a correct understanding of who God is and who he designed you to specifically be in his story. And you're blessed by it because meekness sets you free from yourself, and I promise you there's nothing that you want more than being set free from yourself because that means also being set free from the comparison game. And how many people in our culture can say that they're set free from that game, right? Not many, not many people can say that. Meek people understand who God is and who he designed them to be while realizing that they will never be anything less than what God says about them. And they never, need, they never need to be anything more or do anything more than what God has planned for them. Like John the Baptist said, all you ever will have is what you have been given from above. You wanna be happy? Embrace who God is. Embrace who he designed you to be in the specific role he designed you to play in his story. Embrace that and don't compare your role to other people's roles. Don't compare who he designed you to be to who he designed your neighbor to be. Run your race in your lane and you know what you're gonna experience? A lot of fruit and peace while you do it and happiness. And there's nothing that you want more than that. I promise you, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Verse six, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. I'll just say it this way. When you, just, when you do the right thing, you're just happy. When you do the right thing, you're happy. You can either sow and reap happiness or you can sow and reap regret and a heavy conscience. It's the people who want something more than this world's definition of happiness and what the world promises them. It's the people who want something more than that that are the people who are truly happy because they understand that sin, obedience is everything and sin separates. Sin separates you from God. Sin separates you from the people that you love in your life. Sin separates you from yourself. And sin always promises happiness. That's how it lures you in. And then it will take you farther than you wanted to go and cost you way more than you ever wanted to pay every single time. And oftentimes the cost is ironically happiness. Sin promises to give and it ends up taking from you every single time. And every testimony I've ever heard is proof of that. And that's why sometimes God blessing you, sometimes God blessing you is him giving to you, but sometimes God blessing you is him taking from you even if it means he has to pry it from your hands, I promise you, your heavenly father will break your fingers to get your hands off of the things in your life that are slowly killing you. And he'll call that blessing you. Side note, <laughs> one of the best pieces of advice I ever got in delivering a message is if you forget what the next thing you were gonna say was and you happen to be far away from your notes like I am right now, <laughs> just Slowly repeat the last thing you said and walk back to your notes. <laughs> Slowly repeat the last thing you said and walk back to your notes, amen? All right. <laughs> Some of you are writing that down, like that's actually great advice. That's what I'm taking away from this message. I wanna say one more thing about verse six, that blessed are you, happy are you when you hunger and thirst for righteousness because you will be filled. This is not works-based religion. 
This is simply you understanding your relationship with God and wanting more for yourself, okay? In Christianity, we do not obey in order to be accepted. In case you're in here, you've been taught that or you think that, that's not good news. What's good about that? The good news is that because of Jesus Christ, you already are accepted, therefore you can obey. And do you wanna know what the main symptom of obedience is other than character? It's happiness. The main symptom of obedience other than character is happiness. Sometimes obedience means having conversations and having conversations with friends that you don't wanna have. Sometimes obedience means saying things or doing things, even when you know people aren't gonna be excited about it, even when you know that you're stepping into con conflict, doing things, the right thing, even when you're horrified to do it, right? But I promise you, there's no matter what consequences you face for doing the right things and doing what God called you to do, there is nothing that compares to the happiness and the peace and the contentment that you feel deep, deep down because you know you did what God asked you to do. There is nothing that compares to that feeling with whatever it is that's in front of you right now that you know God's calling me to be obedient and do this. However scary that looks, whatever conflict you might be stepping into, there is nothing that compares to the feeling of true happiness and contentment that you feel because you know you did what God asked you to do. It's a kingdom principle. It is counterintuitive to this world, but it, it works every single time, all right? Last one, number seven, verse seven, number five for the night. Blessed or happy are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Happy are those who are merciful. Happy are the people who are relationally generous. We'll say it that way, relationally resilient. Happy are the people who are good at giving other people the benefit of the doubt and picking themselves up and thinking the best in other people and forgiving. Happy are the people who are relationally generous. You know how you sometimes see people, like happy are the people who don't carry bitterness around with them everywhere they go, like some weird little pet. You know how you sometimes see people, and if you're one of these people, I apologize, who has like the, the little hairless chihuahua things they put in their purses as like an accessory, and you see it and it kind of makes your skin crawl off and you're like, Ugh. like, why do you have that? You have, you have the option of not having that. What? Why do you have it? <laughs> you should put that thing down, just down, not, you know. <laughs> I feel <laughs> I feel like bitterness. I feel like bitterness is a lot like that. And it's funny, but you're going to think about this from now on. I feel like bitterness is a lot like that. You carry it around like some weird, ugly pet, and then other people see it from a non-biased, sober perspective. They see you carrying bitterness around and they go, why do, you, why do you have that? You know, you have the option of not having that and setting that down. Why do you carry bitterness around when you have an option to be happy and not take that with you? You've never met a happy, bitter person. You've never met a happy person with unforgiveness in their heart, right? But I actually know a lot of people who have been very, very wronged and very, very mistreated 
yet they've forgiven those people and they've chosen not to drink the poison of bitterness. And I even know a lot of them to this day, they, they've, I know a lot of people who to this day, they've still not been apologized to, yet they're somehow happy. And you ask yourself, how, why? It's because happy are those who are merciful, blessed. Happy are the relationally resilient. Blessed are you when you're tough to offend. Blessed are you when you're merciful, for you will be shown mercy, right? Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And so there's the first five, Beatitudes. And so what do we do with this? I heard Andy Stanley make the point. Um, I love this. He's like, sometimes we've always been taught that God doesn't want you to be happy. He wants you to be holy, right? Like Jesus' favorite song was, if you're happy and you know it, repent, right? <laughs> As if there's some kind of dichotomy there between holiness and happiness and they don't go together. And maybe you've been taught that. Maybe that's why you hate church because you think this is a works-based religion and you have to choose between being a church person or a happy person. But man, I... I know, first of all, let me say this, I know God's biggest concern or dream for me in 2017 is for me to look more like Jesus this year than I did last year, but God's also a God of happiness, created me with the capacity to experience it through him. That says something. Okay, it also says something when you look at Jesus who walked around on this planet for 32 years and pulled off the most radical rescue mission the world will ever know, and while he did that, he enjoyed himself the entire time. He had a sense of humor. But it's counterintuitive, man. And that's the point. And Ben, you may now join me on the stage at this time. I, uh, I'll finish with this, Philippians 4.13. And I heard a pastor make this um, connection. Um, but I you, know, you know, if you've been in church your whole life, you, you probably have a t-shirt or a bookmark with Philippians 4.13 on it. It's an epic, epic verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it's oftentimes quoted by the guy who gets the girl or the girl who gets the scholarship or by the guy who beats the disease. And absolutely, please hear my heart. You can do all of those things through Jesus Christ who strengthens you. You are an overcomer because of Jesus Christ. Paul would even say in Romans, you are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who gives you strength through God who loves you. Absolutely. But that's actually when Paul wrote this verse, he wrote it sitting in a prison cell and he he actually wasn't referring to all the times in your life where you overcome and things are going great. He wrote this in a prison cell, happy, content, and at peace, saying, I've learned the secret to contentment and I've learned the secret to happiness that whether I'm cold or warm or I'm hungry or I'm well-fed or I got a great night of sleep last night or I didn't sleep a single second, whether, and, and all of these things, I've learned the secret of happiness and contentment. I can do all things through Jesus Christ who gives me strength. He was referring to this illogical happiness and contentment that he experienced in the best of times and in the worst of times, right? And so think about this, after the Super Bowl, every single year, the media goes into the winning team's locker room and they usually ask the star player of the winning team a bunch of questions. And you'll hear this verse quoted by the star player in the winning team's locker room all the time. We won because of Jesus Christ who gives us strength. And absolutely, you win games. You can, you can do all things through Jesus who gives you strength. You can pass your midterm through Christ who strengthens you if you studied hard for it, okay? <laughs> but after that, 
the media team gets all their cameras and stuff and they go into the losing team's locker room and oftentimes they'll find the star player over there and they'll ask them questions like, you know, how are you gonna handle such a heartbreaking, soul-shattering loss in this offseason? And how cool, that, cool would it be to just one time hear the star player of a losing team say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That would, that would be so counterintuitive to anything the media has ever heard. Goes against every grain of our culture. I can lose through Christ who gives me strength. I can be poor in spirit through Christ who gives me strength. I can mourn. I can be, I can be emotionally connected. I can pray for the hurting through Jesus Christ who gives me strength. I can be merciful to those who don't show me mercy back through Jesus Christ who gives me strength. I can understand who my God is and my position in front of my God and who he designed me to be in his story through Jesus Christ who gives me strength. And I can lose the biggest game of my life that I've dreamt of playing in since I was a little kid and still experience this illogical happiness that can only be found in a relationship with an illogical God because my happiness and my contentment is not tied to the mountaintop experience or the valley of the shadow of death. It's not tied to any kind of circumstance. My happiness is tied to a God whose love never changes and whose patterns stay the same through the ages and whose blessings will never be taken away from me. That's where my happiness is found. Therefore, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can be happy at every single moment. I have everything that I need. As illogical as that sounds, at every moment, everything that I need to be happy because of Jesus. And I know this, this makes for uh, good preaching and I get that and I enjoy it. Um, and we've got the band out here in Scotty Miller playing the Holy Spirit pad to make me sound way better than I actually am. And uh, I could start getting emotional and start shouting and tell you something passionate and inspirational. Like somewhere out there, there is a God who's crazy enough to love you unconditionally and we can shout. And this could easily be an emotional high kind of night. And I love emotional highs. But do you really believe that this is true for you? Do you really believe that this is true for you tonight? Do you really believe these little red letters in your Bible, straight out of the mouth of the Son of God to you, Jesus, the one who was there before the beginning, the one who had you in mind before the beginning, the one who had in mind how he wanted your story to fit into his story before the beginning, the one who knows everything that you did this week, the good and the bad, and still loves you more than you'll ever be able to imagine. This is Jesus and what he's saying to you is real, but I'm telling you the only thing that's gonna stand in your way from experiencing this happiness and contentment is your inability to believe that this could actually be true for you. We are the limiting factor here. He's done everything. And the only thing keeping you from experiencing true happiness and contentment is your inability to realize how true this is for you. Yeah, I know you screw up, so do I. I know your motives aren't pure all the time, neither are mine. I know you don't deserve to be loved by a God who's this good. Guess what? Neither do I, neither does anybody else in the room, but he still loves you and he will, whether you acknowledge it or not. He still has more for you and always will than you could ever believe that he does. And because that's true, in every single moment, you have everything you need to somehow be happy, whether you believe it or not. And I would just recommend believing it. I would. 
Welcome to the kingdom of heaven where somehow you're blessed when, you're, when you mourn. Welcome to the kingdom of heaven where somehow you're blessed when you're meek or when you're poor in spirit, where you can experience a transcending peace in the storm and contentment when you have absolutely nothing to explain it with. Welcome to the kingdom of heaven where left is right and up is down, the last shall be first and the blessings are just as counterintuitive as the rest of it in his kingdom. And so for any, and I really feel like God wanted me to say this. So for any young lady in this room um, who's ever had an abortion, for any person in this room who's given away their purity or done things they wish they'd never done, for anybody in this room who's lost somebody close to you and you're, you're mourning it, and you feel like everything is falling apart and you know, man, on my own, I don't stand a chance. On my own, I can't clean this up. On my own, I, I'm dependent on God in every way. He wanted me to tell you, blessed are you. Blessed are you. Blessed am I. Tonight, right now, as illogical as that might seem to you, it's easy to see it for everybody else. Yeah, I know God forgives, God is good. He makes you white as snow. He covers all sin. But for me, yeah, for you. Blessed are you. Blessed are you. There is a happiness out there. There is a happiness and a contentment that is available for you to experience. The world promises you happiness that is so short-lived and fleeting and gone by the time that you wake up and I believe there's a lot of worldly happiness that you experience outside of sin, and that's good, that's from God, that's from heaven. But if you replace that and use that to find your contentment instead of the happiness that you can only find in God, you are going to be unhappy for the rest of your life. The world promises, man, if you just, if you just could get here, if you just could do that, if you could just be in, in this good of shape or bench press that much, or if you just had that car, if you just got that new Apple MacBook, if you just had the new iPhone or whatever it is, then you'll finally be happy. And it's like the haze that's in this room right now. Like you see it, you know it's here and you try to grab it. And you're like, what? It's right here, I should be able to grab it. Why can't I hold on to it? That's the world's version of short-term, here today, gone tomorrow, happiness that will never fill you up. And you wanna know how I know that? Because I used to do youth ministry in Laguna Beach where every kid gets a new iPhone whenever they want and they have a BMW as, to, as soon as they turn 16 years old. And they live in, in houses up on cliffs that overlook the Pacific Ocean and have, have the new clothes whenever they want new clothes. And yet it has one of the highest suicide rates in the entire country. Like, how do you explain that? Other than the fact that we know what most of the world doesn't know and the fact that you can have all of these things, you can have a new car, you can have a new phone, you can get that job, you can get that amount of money in the bank, you can get that platform, you can get that many Instagram followers, and you can still be miserable if you don't have this everlasting love, happiness, and contentment that is only found in a relationship with Jesus. You can still be empty and alone. And there's so many stories in this world that is proof of what I'm saying right now. Some of you might be feeling proof of what I'm saying right now. And I'm here to tell you that it's possible that when you're at the end of the rope, blessed are you tonight in your chair tonight, blessed are you. 
Happy are you because of Jesus. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Whatever season it is that you're walking through, you have everything that you need to be happy in every single moment. So would you guys stand up with me? We're about to sing, but man, I just, I can't walk out of here without asking this question because there might be some of you in this room who are feeling something from God in your heart right now. You have no idea why you're in this room. Maybe your friend dragged you here and you're like, this is kind of cool, I'm feeling something, but maybe it's just an emotional rush. And I'm here to tell you that it's not just an emotional rush. Your heavenly father is talking to you. Your heavenly father is trying to get your attention, trying to, to plead with you, to let you know that he wants a relationship with you, that, that you are already accepted by him because of his son, Jesus Christ. And there is contentment out there that will fill this void that you live with. There are are blessings that will never be taken away from you. There is happiness that transcends and peace that transcends all understanding available through Jesus Christ. And it's free. I have the greatest news in the world to present you with right now. It is absolutely free, a relationship with your creator, the same God who created everything that you see. And if you want him, I'm gonna ask you to boldly, loud or high and proud, just raise your hand right now so that I can say a prayer from you. If you're in here tonight and you wanna know Jesus and you want a relationship with God, that's awesome. That's awesome. Heaven's getting more crowded right now. Heaven is getting more crowded. That will never get old. It'll never get old. To say that your life has changed starting tonight is the understatement of the year. And congratulations. Yeah. And I'm just gonna finish right now so that we can, so that we can worship, man. That's what I wanna do, but let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you that you are so good to us. I thank you that you are a God who loves to bless. I thank you that you are a God who does not want to leave us lacking. You love to bless, whether that means giving to us or taking away from us, God. You are for our joy. You are for our happiness. You are for our contentment and you are for our character and us looking more like your son, Jesus, every single week. And we are so grateful that you are so good. You don't have to be good, yet you are. And so thank you, God. And I pray for anybody in this room who just accepted you into their hearts tonight, God, that you would just speak to them about what a relationship with you looks like. Let them know they are not alone in this. They need to follow you for themselves, but they are not made to follow you by themselves. And they've got a family in this room tonight that is grateful that they are here and that is the most welcoming family I've ever been a part of. So Jesus, we sing these songs to you and tonight we just wanna say thank you. Tonight we, we ask you, God, I ask that you would help people in this room believe that this happiness and this contentment is actually for them. I pray just, just so desperately, God, that you would help them believe it. The only thing standing in our way is simply believing that it could be true for us, that news this good could be that true, but it is. And so we sing these songs loud and we sing them with boldness. We sing them with gratitude in our hearts because you are good. Jesus, we pray all of these things in the powerful name of Jesus, amen.